kid. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Eisenberg. I am here with Jason Colloran. He is the founder of Elite Edge Fitness. He's also a muscle activation technique expert and biomechanics expert. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But more importantly, I have him here today because uh, he's developed something that I've watched from when he first launched it uh, to where now it's getting a lot of buzz. And, and I've been hearing a lot of great things about it. And I wanted to learn more about the kinetic arm. Jason, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. I've heard about you for a long time and you had a different name. You changed it. And I think much to the better, the kinetic arm, why does it even exist? Like, I know that you had some of your own injuries as a college athlete, as a baseball player, but what, why does this even exist as a product? Arm injuries are, they're never going to stop. When I was young, I had arm pain from 11 or 12 on and it didn't go away till mid twenties. And then with kids with little league elbow and little league shoulder, we've got to think growing pains are going to happen. The bones grow at a faster rate than the muscle. We got to produce these longer levers, things shut down, other things tighten up, and we get Seabrook's disease, Oscar slaughters. But when we don't get that ground reaction force because of that pain, that's when we get the little league shoulder and elbow because we have to compensate. There's not an athlete out there that's not compensating. So we use that term loosely. Oh, you don't want to compensate. Compensation is a good thing until you fix the problem, but so knowing that we can't get around growing pains, we can't get around arm injuries at that age. And then as I started consulting here for medical professionals and teaching them about you know, the neuromuscular system and the musculoskeletal system and seeing these kids coming in with these injuries, whereas I was working with you know, traumatic brain injuries and stroke victims, talk about motor learning. This is before what people would think is square one and then helping to rehab. So I've seen you know how the surgical outcomes should be. But all that being said, there's protective gear for the rest of your body. The helmet, we got wrist guards, we got this sliding oven mitt. Even cleats help you grip the ground and run better. So why is there nothing for the throwing arm? And then I thought, okay, I went through MAT and learned all I could about musculoskeletal mechanics. I went through the RTS mastery classes and learned about resistance mechanics and a little bit of physics in there. So pairing internal performance and external performance, why is there nothing to offload stress from the throwing arm? So whether it be progressing back from an injury, all the return to throw programs, I think most are still from the ASMI from 1980. But even when we're rehabbing something with our legs, we have crutches or something like that to offload. But then you progress back to where you should be. So with this, there's a lot of potential use applications and weighted balls are a big buzz. And whether you use them or not, more weight, yeah, could potentially be more stress. So this is a way that we can safely combat the injuries and that growing trend. And again, in my facility, I've had a lot of athletes come here after they were injured in popular weighted ball program, popular programs where they're chucking and slamming medicine balls. Like they're working with a dodgeball coach or something. I don't know, but this is the only thing in sports as a whole, that's a multi-joint dynamic stabilizer. So essentially we have an adjustable external muscular system to offload the stress internally, because once we exceed that stress threshold, Internally, we have an injury. And then from there, you're lucky to make a comeback or even stay on the field. Let me step back a second. You, you mentioned about little league elbow and soreness. And one of the things I've learned, and again, I don't have the medical experience that, that you do and the treatment experience that you have. But a lot of, especially younger kids, don't know the difference between sore, tired, and pain. Is that correct? Yeah, and even... 
as a kid, I wouldn't say if my arm hurt because then you don't get to play, even in high school and college. Exactly. So as parents, how do we worry about these things? How do we make sure that our kids are not going to get hurt if they can't even communicate whether there's an issue? That's the tough part. But that's why I feel this should be an imperative piece of safety equipment from a young age, because if we can start to offload force as they're developing and prevent not only these growing pains, but physial fractures where the you know growth plate actually cracks away, there's really no way to, to do that. I think if there was, we would have gotten that under control. But then if you look at older athletes, we have the same issue. And then you hear that they have arm pain and people say, oh, you need a long toss. Okay, if the check engine light goes on in your car, do you just drive it faster and longer and think that that's going to fix the problem? You mentioned that it's supposed to offload stress, stress from the shoulder and the elbow. A lot of people are concerned about some like restrictions, like whenever you bandage up a part of the body that you know, that's going to cause some issues. What is it about the kinetic arm that makes it different so that this is not really an issue for people? If you were to use an immobilizer, like a cast and then you take it off after all that time and you get the atrophy because there wasn't stress put through there so with this sleeve it's adjustable and i say it's a dynamic stabilizer it's not immobilizing anything and we're not changing the way the body functions but we know if we look at a length tension curve for muscle strength mid-range we're the strongest end range we're the weakest so that's where we need to offload so you're not going to develop any type of dependence on it because i made a a multi-axial theoretical model, which is a fancy way of saying a mannequin with an arm. So we pull it back and then we let it go and the ball just drops. So you still have to exert a great deal of force. So you still get the adaptations that you want, the thickening of the UCL, get some hypertrophy if we want to go there with throwing. You can still build up that chronic workload, but this is where we can offload that stress. And again, you still have to throw the ball. It's not going to you know, jump out of the box, spidey suit on your shoulder and start throwing the ball for you bionics yet no not yet give it some time but it's just like with strength training we don't have to use 100 percent of our our max effort to get that hypertrophy or that you know adaptation that we desire we can you know dial it down to 60 or 80 percent we can still make strength gains so it's the same concept with the sleeve except with the arm as it goes back we've got the forearm flexors that cross over the ucl and attach to that medial epicondyle but when those get tired stress goes up so with the sleeve, we can essentially almost add a new line of force and cut that lever in half. There's also a compressive element. So there's several ways where it offloads stress from the rotator cuff to labrum and also the medial elbow. So would you say this is similar to when my, my son first started going in the weight room, they wanted to teach him how to squat properly. They set him up with a, a you know, six pound kettlebell, but they put a band around over his knees Mm -hmm. and had them pull those apart. So that kind of gave them the feeling of how to get the muscles and the, the body into the right positions. Is that, is that sort of what it's doing? That sounds a little bit more like a, a constraint where it would restrict motion. So the only reason this would restrict motion is if, let's say your arm is tired, your shoulder's tired, and your trunk is rotating in your scapula, you should be getting that protraction with the arms left behind. It's going to be a lot of stress on the labrum. So that slab labrum tear, superior anterior to posterior. So this posterior chromium kind of acts as a fulcrum with that humeral head. So essentially it's causing more stress on the superior anterior shoulder. But what this does, and we've heard of the former Vanderbilt guys that are playing professionally now and several other pro guys, they say it, it keeps your arm slot locked in. 
And we had Farnsworth say that too. He blew his shoulder out playing football five years later, completely blew out his rotator cuff labrum, um, biceps tendon, and he was able to put it on and start throwing and throwing pretty damn hard too. So it's just a way to, you know, offload stress in our weakest range, but that's the only time it would limit you from going into a position is if that position's harmful. So if the arm's coming low and lagging behind, it'll prevent that. And then also if you were way up here where you would get some impingement on that humeral head with the acromion there. Obviously I'm hearing you, you talk about with some college guys and some pro guys. What's the range of athletes that are using uh, the kinetic arm right now? Uh, so the small size fits down to maybe around five, five, one ten. And we've had some incredible stories with these younger athletes. We also had a high school athlete cancel his Tommy John surgery. So they got an MRI. We had some stabbing, medial elbow pain, didn't throw off the mound for, <clears throat> I think it was eight to 10 months. So they get the MRI, it comes back inconclusive. Remember, doctors don't get paid to not do surgery. So naturally, his parents are going to schedule him. I think it was that following Monday, and this was two days before, for Tommy John surgery. So he puts this on, he wears it in a game, he throws 70 pitches in a game, zero pain. Two days after that, 90 pitches in a game, zero pain. And they were able to win, I think it was their regional, you know, tournament or championship. But now he's throwing pain-free even without it. So the fact that we were able to offload stress, get his body reacclimated to training, being more explosive so that I can help take more stress off the arm when it is feeling good, I mean, it's a big win. So you say you can wear it, you know, over your jersey or under your jersey. When do people wear it? Now, obviously he wore it during the game, but when else do you feel that would be the best time for, for athletes to wear this? So it depends by the age. For the younger guys, I'd probably have them wear it pretty often. Again, we're going to lose some ground reaction force from growing pains, and they're going to be tired from running around. So now we've got these 10 and 11-year-olds playing 60, 80 games a year. That was a college schedule back in my So for them, probably wearing it, I'd say the majority of practice time or in-game if the parents really want to take care of them. At the high school and college level, It'll start to vary. So we have had uh, plenty of high school and college, even pitchers wear it under their jerseys. So position players have worn it exposed and it hasn't been. A so they'll wear it. They'll definitely wear it while they're doing their weighted ball or plyo stuff. If they're doing any kind of long toss, it's a great way to offload stress while you're training the rest of your body to be more explosive for a longer period of time. So that's why we'll see some velocity increases. And then if they're going like 90, 120, 150 and coming back in, when they take it off, a lot of times you'll see an increase in velocity. So we do get that carryover effect. And then with the professional guys, we had one MLB team, some pretty big name pitchers that were using it last year. They use it for about the last three, four months. Now we've got it in their spring training. We've got a couple more calls coming up with some MLB teams, but we've got from like a Garrett Whitlock. He's got a really long arm action. He likes it for recovery days. Colin McHugh just started wearing it. Same thing, recovery days, and he's getting it dialed in. But as they get older and they're more in tune with their mechanics, they might find they want to use it for warming up and then take it off, or they might want to use it for their recovery day. Or if they're trying to extend bullpen sessions, a lot of times we're not seeing enough time for that buildup phase because the coaches have limited time or maybe they just – now we've got the lockout situation, so hopefully you guys are staying in shape. But 
it can help with that process going from like a 45 to a 60 or 65 to 70 pitch pen. And then the way you avoid developing a dependence to it is you just take it off for the last five or 10 throws. So a lot of potential use applications. And then of course, returning from injury or returning from surgery. And I've personally rehabbed at least a half dozen guys after labrum surgery and several after Tommy John. And we find that they'll start doing this push motion when they come back because the trauma from that injury. So when they have it on and they whip their arm back, they feel the external support. And then they're a lot more confident going into that layback phase and we can move them along, you know, a lot faster and safer on their return to throw program. I've got a, a friend of mine who trains in, in the same gym as, as my son, who's going through some of that right now. He rehab, went back to throw, his shoulder was bothering him a little bit. He's back to rehabbing again. Uh, as I always like to say, there's a difference between uh, PT to PT, right? Physical therapist to, to playing time. And, and right. that's the gap that really got, has to be worked on. Two more questions for you. Number one, looking at it online, it's hard to tell whether it's bulky or not bulky, but obviously it's got some mass to it. There are people out there who might be vain about wearing it underneath you know, their jersey because it might be too bulky or even outside of it. Should that really be a concern? How thin is it? Can you tell that you have it underneath your jersey? We have guys that wear sleeves over it and then a jersey. You can't tell. It's going to be some extra material. There's, there's no way around that. There is a little bit of extra material in the front because we don't want the tension to pick up too soon, but that's also what gives it the adjustability. We did have one, one former pro pitcher say, I don't like wearing anything on my elbow. And I said, well, did you like your Tommy John surgery? There is yeah. always that option. If, if you want to spend $30,000 in at least six months and potentially not make a comeback. And we recently had the young man pass away from complications under anesthesia from a Tommy John surgery. So, if we can, you know, prevent that from having to happen, it doesn't take any longer to put on than lacing up your cleats. So it's a really quick way to offload stress. And there was a great abstract done. It was with a college. So it showed around for 85% of pitching was done outside of games during the fall season for pitchers. And then during the spring season, it was like 93%. So even if 80 or 90% of that time you can offload that stress, that's a huge win. And then for middle infielders, you know, if you've got to make a lot of game speed throws in practice, it's a better way to, to train and, you know, work on your technique or get some actual feeling in game speed. Yeah. And especially in high school, you've got a lot of those catchers are also two way players. You know, sometimes they'll pitch one day. They're really putting a lot of load on. Okay. Last question. Cause one, one of the things I, I had definitely seen a number of times as I saw my good friend Coulter put out how they were using it at rice and using it on, with the pitching lab and all of that what kind of data are you seeing from programs that, that are using it to support that this is something that people should be using to offload that stress the biggest thing is the the feel and the feedback from the players really there's no piece of technology even a wireless emg wouldn't measure how much we can offload shoulder musculature but using the driveline pulse or motor sensor a guy named Lance Dobbins works at a facility. I think it might be in Texas. His son's rehabbing, or he's just had Tommy John with the Red Sox, but he's finding it's offloading stress 20 to 30% consistently with the guys that he's rehabbing. And Javi at Ivy Tech, he's blown away by the data that he's getting recently with ProPlay AI. I think he's also using, you know, Pulse now. And then I think yep. through PitchLogic maybe. And then 
I also made that multi-axial theoretical model where I can pull back and I can show you with a digital dynamometer how many foot pounds of force we can offload per degree. Personally, I've never seen anything in sports orthopedics, sports training that can actually show that and prove it. But being able to, to prove that to me is a big deal because I've never seen it done before. So something like motion capture, it's great that we are getting those readings from it, but keep in mind, that's just what the sensors are picking up. That's not including what the actual structure, the sleeve itself is able to offload. Yeah, we're offloading quite a bit of stress. So we never hear about underuse injuries. So we just hear about overuse injuries. So let's cut down on those. Any final thoughts that you, you, you want to get out to you know the community and let them know where uh, they can find out more about you and, and the kinetic arm? Yeah, definitely follow us on social media for updates. We've got some great videos uh, to explain a lot of different questions on our YouTube channel and then on the kineticarm.com. And if you have any other questions, feel free to shoot them over and I'd be more than happy to get them answered for you. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jason. Awesome. Thank you very much.